Baden, how are you? Where are you? Or who hard hat var benek? Well, I wish I could answer you in Dutch. I mean, I did learn a little bit of Dutch while we've been in here in the Netherlands. Uh, I can say ik ben in man. Well, I mean, you might have guessed that from my, you know, deep-sounding voice. <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> to answer your question. Um, yeah, pretty pretty damn good actually. We've had an awesome day of cycling here. We've reached the Dutch mountains, so to speak. But you know, I do have a bit of this. I've, I've pulled a pectoral muscle while coughing. So <laughs> to answer you, <laughs> maybe I'm I'm not awesome. I'm not that great. But uh, yeah, there we are. I mean, apart from the pectoral muscle, pretty damn good. Welcome to the How Are You? Where Are You? podcast. This is an audio travel log of our adventures by bike as we, I guess, pedal from our home of seven years in London to our real home, our ancestral home, our Tūranga Waiwai of the <laughs> Hutt Valley in New Zealand. We've told our families we'll be home for Christmas in 2016, which hopefully should give us plenty of time to cycle across Western Europe to Portugal, across the ocean to Cuba, then over to the Yucatan in Mexico, and all the way down to Argentina. And in breaking news, this podcast is being recorded in three countries simultaneously. We are about to leave the Netherlands and enter Germany, and we're so close. We're we're actually kind of we're in all three at once, right? Well, not technically. According to the circle that we're sort of sitting around at the moment, we're at the intersection of Netherlands and Germany. Belgium is about five meters away from us, <laughs> in the other sort of triangle. <laughs> But yeah, it's three countries all at once. That is pretty strange, right? Yeah, there's an enormous tower here. We're not really sure the purpose that that serves. People climb up and I guess they can look out into three different countries from one point. Um, but I guess for me, this is a cool place to be. We've just got some motorbikes joining us, so apologies for the noise. This is a cool place to be because, you know, we come from New Zealand and that's a place that doesn't join up with any other countries whatsoever. In fact, it's miles and miles and miles and miles from the nearest one. So I've found it really intriguing the past week, the way that we've been weaving in and out of the Netherlands and Belgium and crossing borders, you know, sometimes multiple times during the day. And sometimes, or most of the time, you don't even know that you're crossing the border. Mm. Um, you might just start seeing different coloured street signs like they have in Belgium for the cycling. The cycling signs are blue in Belgium, but white and green in the, in the Netherlands. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty fantastic when you cycle in and out of the different countries. And we've, I mean, some places it's completely strange, isn't it? Like that little enclave we went to, a little Belgian enclave inside the Netherlands. Is that where, you know, one house is Dutch, one house is Belgian, and it just goes like that right down several streets. It's really strange. Yeah, it seems quite arbitrary. And also we went to a cycling shop in Maastricht and um, the owner was telling us that there's a point in, in uh, Belgium where the French part of Belgium stops and the, and the sort of Flemish part starts. And on one side of the street they speak French and on the other side they speak Dutch. <laughs> yeah, and I think if you were a French speaker and you um, bought a house on the Dutch side you'd be instantly shunned. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I mean, this is the thing, you know, even though they live so close, there is a fair bit of parochialism here, isn't there? Mm. You know, we've heard of people say, well, you know, the cyclists all go and live in Belgium because they, they pay cheaper taxes there, or the Belgians, they don't work as hard as us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. But Maastricht was a pretty good town. We um, we took a little break there and spent uh, spent a night and, and a day off the bike. What did you think? Did you like it? Yeah, it was really great. I mean, Maastricht is quite famous, isn't it? Because 
you know, the European Union, the, the treaty that brought together the European Union, it wasn't signed in Berlin, wasn't signed in Paris, it wasn't signed in London, it was signed in Maastricht. And then they had two goes at the Maastricht Treaty. I think it was the European community at the time, 12 people came, 12 countries came together and they came back a few years later and sort of sealed the deal. And then we had the EU. We saw the very boring looking EU type <laughs> structure <laughs> that they built on an island where the, all the uh, treaties were signed. So, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's a, a very small city though. It's only sort of 110,000 people live there. So you could easily walk around and yeah, it was really nice, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, I enjoyed it. And we stayed with lovely guy Martin. He put us up. He was a He's a very serious athlete, isn't he? Um, quite a full-on cyclist, but we had a nice time with him. So overall, yeah, Maastricht gets a thumbs up. Yeah, and Maastricht was sort of the uh, signaled the last of the flat. You know, yeah, yeah. we cycled out of Maastricht today, and we're at the at this point here. From what I understand, we're at the highest point in the Netherlands. It's about <laughs> 350 meters. So I'm really struggling with the altitude sickness right now. But and remember, we met these uh, German guys on the route to here today, and they were telling us that um, there's apparently the only. Uh, Netherlands Mountain Rescue Team is based up here, so <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think they spend a lot of time playing pool. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Okay, so our first country is nearly done. We are nearly sort of out of the Netherlands, um, so it's a good opportunity really to think about what what it meant to us, how it went. It was the first week of the whole trip as well. Um, I, for me, you know, we, we had the opportunity to talk to lots of um, lots of Dutch people and Belgian people, um, and one comment really kind of sticks in my mind, and that was something that Baz said, who was a, a guy that we stayed with. He commented that the whole of the Netherlands is like one giant park, mm. and after he said that, it really I thought, gosh, that's really true, because when you're cycling along, there's no litter, there's no graffiti, everybody's pretty well behaved, um, ev- everywhere in the distance you can always see a small village or a steeple or some kind of structure you never feel like you're kind of out in the wilds Um, and actually I started to kind of get this feeling like I was almost in the Truman show because you know along with along with the cleanliness of everything and how organized it all was we noticed in particular that everyone's gardens are so perfectly clipped and manicured all the hedges and everything you start to feel like how can this be real it's really strange Um, you don't just don't see anyone here you know, you, um, I mean, there's a few people around here now, but the places where we've been cycling sort of across the southern south of Netherlands. So we got off the ferry last, uh, what was it, last Monday. And it was like, it was like, a, I said, show, has a nuclear apocalypse happened here or something? It may, maybe it was because it was Easter Monday, but there were no people around. It was completely dead. We're going, we cycled out of Hock of Holland. Or I think they call it Hook of Holland. Hook von Van Holland. Hook von, yeah, something like that. that. And uh, we cycled into Rotterdam and the whole trip in, it was completely dead. There was just no one around, a few other cyclists. Hmm. Maybe it was because it was pretty cold. But that that theme sort of continued. We we rode to Breda on the first day. Was that my pronunciation if I finally got it right? Breda? No, Breda. Breda. Yeah. (sighs) <sighs> you promised that you'd get it right this time. Yeah. <laughs> so so we went through uh, Breda and then uh, over to Tilburg and then to Eindhoven and then to we slipped into Belgium a bit. We were near a place called Kinroy and then we went down the river Maas to Maastricht. And um, so 
and that sort of maybe that's the sort of experience we talked to our host Baz in Tilburg and I said oh, how many people live here you know is it 4 million or something like that it's about the same size as New Zealand he's like no dude 17 million I was like where the hell are they <laughs> Yeah, I know. I should just quickly explain. There's quite a loud metallic noise in the background. You can actually move these kind of rolling metal chairs around the circle that goes, so you can roll your chair from one country to another. Uh, so people, people are, are like, doing. oh, here I am in Germany. Here I am in... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it looks like it's some ADD child trying to move the seats around. So, um, so yeah, so that, that was that's my kind of feeling. And, you know, d- studying a bit of horticulture, I was really, like, sort of perving at everybody's gardens. And, um, you know, Jos, another guy that we stayed with, we, I talked, I said to him, why do people clip all their hedges so perfectly? And he was like, I think they want to give the impression that, um, you know, that they're... Young hoodlums. Young hoodlums. This is quite a busy area. As you can imagine, it's a bit of a tourist attraction. Uh, I th- he said, I think they want to give the impression that they're, they're kind of like very organized in their minds and, and in their lives, when in actual fact, maybe it's not quite like that. So oh, I didn't know what to Oh, <laughs> right. So the impression that oh, we're all sort of tidy. Yes. Yeah, because you know, sometimes when you go around the back of people's houses, yeah. it's, uh, it's not as sort of clean cut as yeah. it is in the front. And I think, I think in the Netherlands, they have to, uh, what I was thinking of was quite a sort of mullet type garden. So it's business in the front, party in the back, you know? <laughs> Like it's like very clipped and perfect in front and out the back it's just wild. Yeah, it's where all the uh, the Jupiler drinking parties go on. <laughs> so the other thing that obviously um, has been a, 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 you know really important to us while we've been here is um, all of the hospitality we've had from people via the Warm Showers com- online community um, and the opportunity to meet some incredible people. Yeah, I mean, we've been going a week and we've only paid for accommodation once and that was like an Airbnb for our second night in Maastricht last night. What was that, like 30 euros or something? Yeah. So we have been totally overwhelmed by the hospitality and how friendly people are you know we we, know each time we sort of rolled up at someone's house they sort of open door welcome us in and as soon as we get a little bit of time to ourselves we're like these people are so nice (laughs) i kind of keep every time someone says yeah sure come and stay with me i think are they are they crazy why are they letting us come and stay and then we get there and they'll feed us and we they show us where the shower is and they give us a bed yeah, people are just so kind. We've just so enjoyed everyone's house that we've stayed in. Everyone is slightly different, and it's just been so enjoyable. And we've just, oh, I just I can't know. get over how great it is. And yeah. we just feel so lucky yeah. uh, that people have invited us to, into their home and sort of shared a bit of their life with us, you know? Yeah, it gives you such a different insight into a country. You know, it's, I think of kind of recent holidays we've done where we've gone to a city or we've traveled around and we've stayed in, you know, hotel or whatever. And it, it really gives you a window into, into what the country's really like. Mm. Um, you know, things like, I didn't realize that all of the Dutch houses had those narrow little stairs that go, that are so steep. Oh, all the staircases in people's homes are about 30% gradient. <laughs> <laughs> So little things like that and and just the stories that people tell us and of course the other side of it is that we're staying with lots of cyclists and some of them are really experienced and so that's been really useful to hear some of their stories and advice. Yeah we've been getting great route plans from people haven't we and they sort of tell us the the best places to go and every time they've been right you know it's yeah we're just sort of keen to follow the nose. One one other thing that you said no, about the the people that we've been staying with, or just touring in general, is that you know we're, we're quickly learning that it's not actually you don't travel for 
come to pretty spots like this where we are now this is not the point of traveling it's the people it's it's just the people and it's the people that we've met in the Netherlands, which has really made this experience so rich. Mm. I, I, we both woke up this morning and we didn't want to leave. <laughs> yeah, the Netherlands is great. I mean, it's such a cycling paradise, isn't it? I mean, the cycling is just a way of life here. We've mm. seen so many different types of travel by bicycle on this trip you know you get the the road races that are sort of um speeding along past you get very elderly people mm. cycling along the river banks it and and kids on their way to school you know kids you know cycle along the cycle paths often they'll be talking on their phones or talking with their friends none of them have got flash bikes they've just got those normal stand up and beg city you know dutch city bikes so there's no sort of uh, envy or anything like that, that that we can see from our position. Mm. Everyone, uh, cycling is just so utilitarian here. Anyone can do it, or, and it's egalitarian as well. It's sort of a, the great leveller. And, and it's quite interesting, you know, in Britain we have these we've, uh, debates about, you know, it's cyclists versus drivers. And here, drivers just don't interfere with cycling at all. The road is for... Um, cars and the cycle paths are for cyclists and it's kind of never the twain do meet and is that the never the word? twain shall meet never ah. the twix twain I don't know <laughs> yeah I mean you know they don't sort of come in contact with each other so instead the inter rivalries are between other cyclists mm. you get the racing cyclists who are you know they want more space so they can like roll along in big pelotons and actually do you know racing with each other mm. um, whereas old people and and they're sort of against the old people who are shuffling along and don't like just want to go out on a leisurely spin and don't want to be um, disrupted and harangued by uh, these road cyclists and these road cyclists go fast, man. <laughs> yeah, some of them are good. They're pretty good. And how many have we seen today? Yeah. You know, this is everyone is. It just seems that the whole of Netherlands is out on their bike today. Time for our segment reflections from the road, and we're continuing the theme really because we've been amazed at the uh, quality of the cycling infrastructure. So amazed that Baden felt inspired enough to stop at a roundabout just outside of Eindhoven to tell you all about it. Today we're in Eindhoven, and at the moment we're sitting on the corner of a roundabout. But this is not like any other roundabout, this is a cycling roundabout, and Cycling roundabouts are quite normal also here in the Netherlands, but this cycling roundabout is suspended above the intersection. It's the Hoven Ring. We, I mean, so far on this trip, we spent three days cycling in the Netherlands and we've been blown away by the quality of the cycling infrastructure. As you can see, you know, also little scooters are also allowed on the cycle paths as well. But um, it's amazing. The Everywhere we've gone, we've hard, barely been in contact with cars the whole time and we've been on these beautiful paved lanes between towns and in around cities and the the surface is smooth there's often little lampposts on the side around the back of rotterdam there were some brilliant cycle lanes where little tiny little tiny roundabouts for cyclists little networks and signs pointing you in the right direction it is perfect for cycling but here in eindhoven we've come across what is probably the granddaddy of cycling infrastructure the hoven ring so what you got here is you've got two fairly busy dual carriageways that have converged on each other in an intersection and 
in the middle of the intersection is like this giant white pole and it's got high tension cabling holding up a platform that hovers above the intersection and cyclists just sort of nonchalantly go around the intersection and go about their business. It is outstanding infrastructure. Shelley and I are kind of in awe on it. Being, we've kind of turned into cycling infrastructure geeks on this trip so we'll probably be uh, proselytizing the Netherlands for the rest of the trip. <laughs> but uh, this is uh, quite some bit of architecture here just outside of Eindhoven. <laughs> Right, okay, so we're trying to sort of introduce these regular features and this is a new one, it's called What's in the Pot um, and we're going to talk about a Dutch meal, traditional Dutch meal that we cooked while we were at uh, Baz's place in Tilburg. Uh, he was out at work and we decided that we'd look up a Dutch recipe uh, that was manageable to cook and we came up with Monk's Mints. It's not called Monk's Mints in Dutch though, is it? <laughs> no. Because we've so. said to people, oh yeah, we had a Dutch meal last night, we had Monk's Mints. They're like, What? <laughs> I think our accent makes it sound like monks months. Yeah, monks months. <laughs> they, everyone has looked at us completely bewildered when we've said that, but then we've sort of described some of the ingredients in it, and they're like, oh, oh but yeah, we yeah. don't really still, we still don't eat that. Well, what we did was we bought some beef mince, bacon, leek, apple, shallots. Sounding normal so far. And, well, I don't know, the apple. Yeah, I suppose it's okay. Um, but we also bought these grey Dutch peas. Now I can't quite remember the cuppicinas, cuppicinages, something. It starts starts with K and it's, yeah. It's got a few J's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we purchased these, we brought it all home and we sort of sautéed it all together. Um, And then we, I mean it's not sounding great, but it was nice, we were hungry. And then we served it with some boiled potatoes and sour cream and... Piccalilli. Yeah, I mean, my memories of Piccalilli is from when I actually worked at Petoni New World. <laughs> uh, I was working there one Saturday and a lady knocked, an old lady, knocked off a jar of Piccalilli and it smashed all over the floor. And, you know, I was probably out the back having another break. And uh, it was like, we need a mop in aisle six, a mop in aisle six. And I shuffled along and was like, oh, I couldn't believe the smell of this Piccalilli. <laughs> It was everywhere as well. She'd, re- I mean, I think piccalilli. No one really buys it, so it's on the top shelf. Uh. So when it came down, she's probably uh, luckily it didn't fall on her, and so it fell from quite a great height. It, it shattered, and then I was mopping it up, and it just the yellow just it stained the floor. I just couldn't, I just couldn't get it off. You're making our meal sound really appetising, yeah. given that we heat spoonfuls of piccalilli. Well, that's on the thing that scarred that, but that scarred me for about piccalilli for life. But uh, it really made a comeback the other night, and yeah, yeah we just sort of just you just slop it on the mince. Well, I got I've got a photo. <laughs> I've got a photo of it. It looks looks pretty gross, it but looks terrible. But it tasted good, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah so we'll, we'll put a little picture of it on the where we post this podcast. But. And and in fact, we'll put the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's everyone make um, make monks mints at home, and then. Um, Take a picture and then tweet it at us at Bait and Sea, and we can see everyone's uh, attempts at monks' mints. 
The only problem is, and I should explain why it's called Monk's Mints. And if any Dutch person's listening to this and makes Monk's Mints, could you put the Dutch word on it um, so we can sort of clear the air and yeah, really the Dutch start? Name. Yeah. The reason it's called Monk's Mints is because the gr- the peas are kind of grey, and so they looked like little mu- like monks, you know, like yeah. yeah. That was why. Anyway, that's why it's Hold got that say, name. I, I've seen a problem with this because we're in New Zealand. If people are listening in New Zealand or London. Are you going to get some grey peas? Well, I've got some advice. If you live in Wellington, there used to be a Dutch shop in Jackson Street and Petoni. So head out there, get your grey peas, and then head home, makes the monks mints. And in London, there's bound to be some sort of well, Dutch no, expat no, shop. No, before you get too excited, I do remember there were quite a few comments on the recipe saying, where the hell can I get these peas? And they're very difficult to find outside of the Netherlands. Whoa, this could add to the thrill of the chase. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's time for our other regular segment, In Praise Of, where we sort of talk about something we've been, something that's happened in the last week that we're grateful for. And what are you grateful for this week, Shell? This week I'm in praise of the Maas, which is a river that we have uh, followed from time to time. We followed it quite early on, didn't we? And then again from um, Kinroy to Maastricht, we followed right along it. Um, it's beautiful. There's lots of things happening. Lots of people walking along it. People riding horses along it. Barges travelling along it. Um, and actually, at some points of it, I think that the border between Belgium and the Netherlands runs right down the middle of it. I think pretty much the whole whole way. It yeah. So the border is right in the middle of the river. Mm. And the funny thing was with the river too. We were cycling south towards Maastricht, uh, but the river was running north which is kind of a, you know, you think you're cycling down the river, but the river's actually going in the opposite direction. It's coming down. I've, it must be coming down from these massive Dutch hills. Yeah, they're, on. they're massive, aren't they? Yeah, so the, we should find the source of the mass up here somewhere. <laughs> it's probably underground or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. What about you? What are you in praise of? Well, I'm continuing my food theme, and it's the Stroop Waffle. Oh, yum. The Stroop Waffle is... It's like a beacon of happiness. <laughs> and we've heard of street waffles before. I've had them in Belgium. I'm not sure they call them street waffles there, though, do they? No. I'm not sure. But um, And also, where I used to work, uh, street waffles uh, were part of the biscuit selection. Mm. But I never really got into them. They weren't as, that, as good at... The work ones weren't as good as the ones here. You go to the supermarket, and there's about three shelves of street waffles. And... Uh, we've learned different ways to eat it. Apparently what you should do is put it on top of your cup of tea mm-hmm. and uh, it softens up underneath because mm-hmm. you, you want it, you want, I've learned that you want quite a firm stroopwafel mm-hmm. and then you sort of just moisten it up, moistened it up <laughs> on your cup of tea and then it's all ready to eat. But it's perfect cycling food as well, isn't it? Yeah, just to explain, it's a, a crispy waffle kind of textured um, biscuit. thin biscuit. And in the middle, they either have honey or caramel. But the whole thing is only about three millimeters thick. Yep. Um, but yeah, really, really good for when you're cycling. Quick and easy to eat and lots of sugar and energy. Yeah, for people who like the challenge of sort of separating two layers of biscuit, um, this is not the biscuit for you. It's... <laughs> It's almost impossible to separate the two layers. Um, look, if anyone, again, if anyone... No, could, <laughs> no one is going to do that. No one. All right, I think that's the podcast for, uh, for now. Um, the next time we come to you, we will be... I'm looking at Baden here. Well, I don't know. I guess maybe on the border of 
Belgium and France heading into the Champagne country or Champagne and what have we got ahead of us well we are heading down to Germany now here are the hoodlums back We've got like a whole scooter crew has just come here to to menace us. It looks like they've hired scooters in Maastricht and they've hoodlumed their way up here. <laughs> okay, they're turning their engines off now. They all look very respectable actually. <laughs> they're wearing sort of designer sunglasses and quite flash scarves uh, and very tight jeans, all of them, with boots. Um, <laughs> but um, so we'll... we'll leave these hoodlums go oh some more people these are actually vespers so um yeah it's a lovely day out um so now we we are heading to Aachen at the point at, at this point and we're starting tomorrow the Venbahn trail it's an old rail trail that leads from Aachen in Germany um, down through Belgium and finishes in Luxembourg so it'll be our first time into Luxembourg and from there we sort of dip back into Belgium for one last time and then into France. We're keen to know how you are and where you are, so if you'd like to get in touch, you can tweet at Baden C, you can email howareyouwhereareyou at gmail.com or head along to our blog, howareyouwhereareyou.com. See you next time. Bye bye.